It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question. You can email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to a special edition of Fire Away Friday. I'm Jim Stanley and in studio today with me is Dr. Alex McFarland and Brother Bert Harper. Good afternoon, guys. Hello. Hello, Jim. It's good to be three. Three guys. Three guys. Okay. Exactly. Not three amigos, but three guys. No. Okay. And, I just wanted to make sure. we're not the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I knew that. Now. I didn't, have, <laughs> uh, I didn't and, have to go that. I'm it, so glad to be in the studio with you guys and not a thousand miles away. Amen. Halfway saying a prayer, please let the equipment work, you know. Right. But it's great to be in studio with both of you. Well, and um, while Alex is in town this week, we are, as he speaks about equipment, uh, we're getting, we have a new Comrex unit for him, which is what he uses to broadcast with. And Bert, I have to tell you, yesterday afternoon, um, it spoke volumes of why I love Alex as much as I do. We were back there, and we were testing the equipment and, and showing him the stuff. And, and he said, hey, let's pray and dedicate this to the service of the Lord. And I was just like, well, yeah, that's a, you know. He puts us in our place <laughs> many really times. Let, I've heard this. Is this true that the national religious broadcasters may want his old come? And come Rex and put it in the Hall of Fame. Uh, well, it, I don't know about that. It's but. been to more states than any Comrex on record. Could yeah. that be the case? That could be the case because <laughs> I, I certainly know, think that was it a is. joke, people. I just I, right. Okay. You know, I, I will say this, and um, Devin would concur. Devin Patrick and Brent Creeley and um, others that have helped us. The, the way this works, and, and I'll be really quick, but you plug in this gizmo to the internet. And you can put a mic in it. And the Comrex is really kind of a computer that sends the signal all the way down here to Tupelo and then out to dishes and to stations all over America. Well, whenever I'm traveling, I try to give myself plenty of time, 30 minutes or 20 minutes. And every now and then, the Internet just will not cooperate. So many times I'll be on my cell phone and Brent Creeley will say, uh, you better pray, Alex. It's just not connecting somehow or another. And I would I'd be... You know, as we're getting ever closer to the top of the hour, 3 p.m. Central Time. Lord, please, Lord. And if in the phone, Brent goes, um, if it doesn't connect in the next few seconds, we're, we're going to have to run a pre-record. I'll say, in the name of Jesus, please make that thing work. And suddenly, boom, and Brent <laughs> will say, we're on. And so I want to tell you, to do this live show and to be all over America is such a blessing. But we have seen God, and I really believe the Lord touches that equipment and he makes it work somehow and that is the original equipment that you started traveling with yeah. is that the original comrex oh, i think didn't we swap it out one time a few years back did we i think so i know i've brought it into the workshop here and by the way folks, right. there is um quite a team of talented folks back there in what we call engineering isn't it yes sir there are and and you know those guys go all over the country uh repairing stations we have some for some of the farther away stations, we have some on-call engineers, if you will. And so those guys are also very helpful to us. But it's, it's for us, it's easy to be on this side of the microphone. Whereas if we went over there, 
and tried to do something. In fact, they've quit asking for my help. I can't understand why. Well, actually, I can. <laughs> do you know? But what? Uh, they're they're really great guys. They love the Lord. Uh, they love their families. They love the ministry of AFA. And guys, they have to because if they didn't, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. And listen, the whole VHS era came and went, and I never learned how to set the clock on that thing. <laughs> so aren't you thankful for those guys? Amen. Uh, it, it is, we're blessed to have a team, and I, I say that. I, I love team. I loved it when churches started calling them teams rather than committees. That's right. just my – I'm an old basketball guy team, and uh, it is a team here, and it does take guys behind the board, guys in the engineering, even guys behind the microphone mm-hmm. doing the things. And the ladies over there receiving letters and and different things and responding. It, it is an. I, I just want to share my my boss. One hour a day is here, and uh, that, that's <laughs> my, our joke with Jim. I, he and I are just dear friends. But and it, it is great to be working oh, with a, a team. And this place is so full of the Holy Spirit. You know, every now and then, folks, if you've never been here, whenever they have share there's a couple of times a year when folks come to the headquarters of the American Family Association. You know, I'm out on the road for weeks on end, and I'll come in. I truly feel the presence of the Holy Spirit here. And this is such a place of, of wonderful people and Christian love. If you ever get a chance to come to AFA, you ought to come. And you'll know what we're talking about. The Lord is in this place. Absolutely. And we welcome folks to come. We do ask that you call in advance so we can kind of be ready for you, make sure someone's here to give you the 50-cent tour and all that. Well, let's get to the Bible, okay. shall we? Yes, that's that's we what we do here. Yeah. And I have to be careful because I've been known to lead you guys astray chasing squirrels so i don't want to do that well they go back and forth across the road they can't make up their minds (laughs) that's right well the first first question comment that i have here is is a little bit of housekeeping and it's someone that um had evidently asked a question on the show and they weren't quite satisfied with their answer and when i read this thing it i basically pulled the last paragraph out of it because it all kind of came down to this. And so the, the person had evidently asked a question about uh, Christian homosexuals and if there was such a thing, and also whether or not they would be able to inherit the kingdom of God. Well, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Now, guys, when I see that, and the question is about um, whether or not people who are sinners will inherit the kingdom of God, well, we're all sinners, and by the blood of Christ shed for that remission of sin. So I'm going to say something that's going to be a little provoking, and you guys... Correct me. I, I'm, I'm willing to take that. 
But yes, I believe there can be Christian homosexuals. Yes, I believe there can be Christian adulterers. Yes, I believe there can be Christian thieves. And the reason I say that is because this scripture says, as such were some of you. Now, do I believe that you continue in the practice of homosexuality? No. There's a difference between a same-sex attraction and actually committing the sin. There's a difference in seeing a lady or a guy and thinking, wow, they look good, as to going and committing the act of adultery. There, you know, even, even Matthew, one of the disciples, was considered a thief because he had come out of a lifestyle of being a tax collector. And so, guys, I, I really want you to kind of unpack this a little bit, if you will, and um, kind of say that, you know, the, the, the person's hung up, that the Bible says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, by the same token, in verse 11, And it says, as such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. I want to go back and read that from the, that was from King James. I want to uh, go back and and look at verse 11. So uh, some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and then by the Spirit of God. I would say two things. We're a new creation in Christ. I believe in deliverance. Mm-hmm. I, I believe in a deliverance ministry. Now, a lot of churches get fearful of that, afraid somebody's going to get up there and do some things that they should, uh, I mean, make it a spectacle in place of, of really deliverance. I believe you can be delivered. After you've been delivered, I do believe that no longer you are homosexual Mm -hmm. you were that now in deliverance i've seen this too and i've seen it with alcohol as much as anything those that were completely delivered from a desire for alcohol and drugs and they walked away they it was in their past Mm -hmm. it was not a struggle other people that i know and i've observed they put it aside And yet there was that struggle of going back to that. Mm -hmm. If there's no struggle in any of those sins, homosexuality, a drunkenness, uh, anything like that, if there's no struggle, Mm -hmm. when I say that, if you've just totally given over to it and you're doing that way and say, I'm a Christian, the Bible does not teach that. Right. The Bible teaches that you have been changed. Now, that word in Corinthians about old things are becoming new, they've become new, and, and the way the construction is, it continues. Right. And it says this, his mercies are new every morning. It lets us know that we live every day by the grace of God, and that deliverance doesn't mean we toy with it. Right. It means we lay it aside and go, so can a person be a Christian who is practicing homosexuality with no quims, no qualms, I believe the biblical answer is no. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there, there's two words in the in the First Corinthians six uh, nine. It says, "Do not be deceived." You know, don't. Um, and the New Living Translation it says, "You know, don't fool yourselves. Don't you realize the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God?" I think you both have done a good job to explain that. Look, we're all sinners. We're we're all sinners. They're they're either those who 
who need Christ or those who have Christ. And 1 Corinthians 6 says, as such were some of you. Um, I think of another verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. All right? Now, two words there. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9, it says, do not be deceived. And then Colossians 2, 8, it says, beware lest anyone cheat you or fool you. Mm-hmm. There are, folks, the reason we're harping on this or maybe honing in on this, I pr- probably should say, we don't want you to miss heaven uh, because of being misled or because of being ensnared. Uh, misled speaks of false teaching. Uh, ensnared speaks of being in the bondage of sin. I believe when you turn to Christ, like Bert said, we are set free. Um, we are a new creature. And as Paul said, if you're risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. We need to behave in accord with our true identity. Um, I, I don't believe there are homosexuals. There are people that struggle with same-sex attraction. Mm-hmm. There are people that struggle with opposite-sex attraction. And right. so, you know, uh, we want to be clear. There are all manner. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says those weights that so easily beset us. There's all sorts of temptations that are trying to grip their claws around us. But if we've turned to Christ, we, the way to go to heaven, you repent and believe and you're saved. Doesn't mean all the temptations go away, but I think Paul was was very right when he said the nature that we feed is the one that's going to have the dominance. Therefore, feed the spirit. Right, and you know we we'll come back to this on the other side of the break, but I want to note the order and the priority of those sins uh, when we come back, folks. This is exploring the word. I'm Jim Stanley with Bert Harper and Dr. Alec McFarland. We'll be back straight ahead. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Let me go down, down, down in history As another blood-bought, faithful member of the family And if they all forget my name, well, that's fine with me I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus So let me Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Jim Stanley in with Dr. Alex McFarland and Brother Bert Harper. Glad to have you along on this Fireway Friday. And today we're looking at some of our Facebook questions and some of our email questions. And you can send those to us either by Facebook or you can simply send us an email to word at AFR.net, word at AFR.net. I know sometimes folks get aggravated. But we really do try to answer as many of those as we can. Mm -hmm. And this is one outlet that allows us to do that. Well, guys, we were talking about sexual sin before we went to break. And in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, it's one of those things that just kind of caught my attention. You know, we're always told that, that the greatest commandment is to worship the Lord our God. All right. And then after that that we love one another. All right, so those are the two great commandments that Jesus gave. But even there, Jesus didn't put something before loving God, you know, and making sure that God was first place. Well, in here, the sexual sin is actually put before the worship of idols. You know, because in Exodus 20, 
in verse 3, it's very clear. You shall have no other gods before me. And I think what happens is when we get caught up in sexual sin, that becomes our God. Because that's, you know, you what is it? You feed the appetite of your greatest desire. Yeah. Well, if our greatest desire is to know more about God and follow God and love God and learn his word, that we feed that. But if it comes to the point, and the same is true with uh, um, love of money and different things, what you feed is what you love most. But to have sexual sin ranked before the worship of idols, I found that rather thought-provoking. Mm-hmm. And then when you go on down through there, it seems like you it comes back and it separates out some of those sexual sins. And Bert, I think, and Alex too. I think we've talked about this before, where these are sins against the body, and that's why they're ranked a little bit, if you will, higher than some of the other sins. Now, sin is sin is sin, and thank God that Jesus came to take away our sin. Mm -hmm. All right. So, as we wrap this part up and get ready to go to our next question. Uh, Alex, I, I want you to to just take and and tell us why is that so important? Why is it so important that we focus completely on God and less on pleasing ourselves? You know, I think about this. G.K. Chesterton said there's 10,000 ways to fall. There's one way to stand up straight. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I look at this list here in First Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, and there there are, you're, you're right, they're all kind of sins. There, there's... There's a million ways to go to hell. There's one way to go to heaven, mm-hmm. and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now look at verse 11. It, it says, As such were some of you, but you were washed, sanctified, and justified. Three things. The word wash there means to wash through and through. Literally means to be washed away inside and out. So when you turn to Jesus, the, the old songwriter is true. The blood washes sin away. Amen. And then sanctified means we're set apart. So if I've accepted the gift of salvation, I really also need to accept the responsibility that I'm set apart and Christ is now my Lord and Master. And then justified, hallelujah, that means positionally we're in a new position. We're in Christ. Now, and I would say um, to the question, can, can those caught up in the sin of homosexuality go to heaven? Look, anybody can go to heaven that will turn Amen. to Jesus. Um, and, and I'll say this, and I, I stand correct. I'm ready to be corrected by two men whom I greatly respect and follow after, Jim Stanley and Bert Harper. But here's the thing. If you've repented and turned to Christ, dear friends, only you and God know that. I don't know another man's heart. I barely even right. barely got a handle on this one inside of Alex McFarland. But here's the thing. Uh, don't miss heaven. Uh, don't Amen. miss heaven. Um, people say, well, but you don't understand my upbringing or this or that. I've got to struggle. Hey, um, w- the human race, we got more baggage than Samsonite. All of us do. But look, don't miss heaven. And praise God, if if he's loved me enough, 1 Corinthians six eleven, that he would wash me, that he would sanctify me, that I could be justified, then in gratitude, I'm going to want to live for him. And and I think that's the calling, to turn really from anything, sin, temptation, and to the Savior, 
that's our calling, and that's the great privilege and responsibility. Two Amen. things I want to say, and one is when it comes to sin, you're either going to confess it or justify it. Mm-hmm. Mm. That is true with any sin, and you're just talking about sin is sin. All sin separates us from God, but some sins are of greater consequence and of greater unnaturalness than others. That's just right. observing. So we're asking you, don't justify what God condemns. Right. Don't justify what God has condemned. He says, such were some of you. Uh, these, This list, every one of them is condemned. And so God wants you to be delivered from them. The other thing I would say is why sexual sin is listed first on this list Sexual sin has a way of perverting everything you see in your life. Mm, mm, it just does. We are sexual creatures, but we're made with limits, and that limit should be with marriage, and that marriage should be between a man and a woman, and that is where it operates. Outside of that operation, you're going to have distortion. Adulterers will have distortion about what they say. Uh, uh Those that view pornography Mm -hmm. will have a distortion of what they say and what they view. Homosexuals will have a distortion. So that is why I think he listed it first here Mm -hmm. is because it affects and what you'll do, you'll run to a God where it makes you feel better about your sexual sin and I'm all right. Right. And and that's the reason I share, share what the Bible has to say. I, I, I may not do it, but I want to say what the Bible says and no more. But I do want to say what the Bible says. Amen. Well, and, you know, as, as you're listing those things and talking about those things, I want to throw one more out there. And I had said we would move on, and we will. But the other thing that we, that we need to cover is that this generation and generations before, but for whatever reason, this generation um, – they, you know, back when I was coming up, we called it shacking up, you know, but they seemed to find no fault in living together, having children together before marriage. Mm-hmm. And that is another distortion of this generation because they have been deceived by all the garbage they've seen coming yeah. out of, you know, the garbage soap in, operas. Garbage yeah. in, garbage out. I think the soap operas have finally caught up with us. You, you know, we talk about generational slide. Guys, I was reading a history book, and in the 1700s, there was the Great Awakening under Jonathan Edwards, and it was a great pervasive revival. It was amazing. I was reading in this history book that about 20 to 25 years after the Great Awakening, they noticed birth records and marriage records, and in New England— 25 years after the Great Awakening, two-thirds of all the babies were born six months into the marriage. Mm. Now, think about this, because it takes nine months to make a baby. You mean they weren't premature? Right. Okay, okay. So (laughs) the point is, uh, a quarter century after the Great Awakening, um, a, a generation that wasn't around when the big revival happened, premarital sex obviously was was taking place because two-thirds of the births were only six months into the marriage. And my point being, in it, we've got to reiterate in every generation what's important. Now, I know we got to move on, but listen to this, folks. In the 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, you've got 
if we're going to call sin, you know, it's missing the mark, Romans mm-hmm. 3, 23, all of sin, deviancy. All right. You've got sexual deviancy, spiritual deviancy, moral deviancy, and social deviancy. Because it goes on, um, and it does, it, it starts out fornicators. And, and you guys are right. To condone sexual sin skews our perspective. Then idolatry, and then adulterers, homosexuality, sodomites. But then there's thieves, mm-hmm. covetous. Then the, there's moral offenses. Then social, revilers, extortioners. Um, you're right, Jim. Sin is sin is sin. And in every generation, uh, and with millennials and younger nowadays, we have to remind them that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right. But Jesus came to give life and life abundantly. Amen. We can't dance with sin. It will destroy us. Absolutely. Well, folks, this is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm Jim Stanley, and I am honored to be in studio today with Dr. Alex McFarland and Brother Bert Harper. Uh, By the way, I want to throw this out real quick before we move to the next topic. If you'd like to have Alex come to your church or to your event, or he can come in and do a um, apologetics convention for you, he's well-versed in that, you can find out information about that at alexmcfarland.com. AlexMcFarland.com. He carries his Comrex and his Bible with him and he's ready to go. He even says, you know, he'll preach at the drop of the hat and, and drop he'll it drop the hat That's himself. Right. So let me, I want to add to what you say. Uh, Alex will bless your life, bless your church when you have him. Amen. Wow. You guys are very kind. So that's AlexMcFarland.com or RepairingTheFoundations.net. That was plural, correct? It is plural. I don't know why. You know, we've been doing that for how many years now? It's some people that don't get repair, and they'll want to use the word restoring. But it is repairing the foundations, plural. If you just do foundation, you'll you'll learn how to fix your house. And so go to exploring the foundations, I may need some help on my driveway. You want to come by after work? All right. Well, guys, this next question is one we've had before, and... You know, we, we generally talk about the things that unite us rather than the things that divide us. This is one of those that could divide folks, and that's not what we're shooting for here. Uh, rather, we hope that we're going to bring folks together. And so uh, this person emailed us and said that uh, she and her husband are Christians, and they were looking uh, for a new church, and they visited one that was non-denominational, and they had some folks that stood up and started speaking in tongues, which sounded like gibberish during and after the worship service, and said that one lady was yelling, literally yelling, uh, beforehand, this is the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this next part, because God bless their soul. <laughs> they you know, said, my husband and I are Christians, Baptist background, but it made us very uncomfortable, so we ended up leaving early. I know there's a spiritual gift of speaking in tongues in the Bible, but I'm unclear to its correct role in this present day or if it's something that, as some say, passed away with biblical times. I thought it was so miraculous ability to speak another language that you did not know, allowing the people who spoke that language to uh, understood what was being said, like sharing the gospel. If that's this, If that is the case, Clearly, what we witnessed was not that. Uh, 
I appreciate any response that you have and love listening to your podcast. We appreciate folks listening to the podcast, too, at AFR.net. But, guys, when when we look at this, I kind of want to break it down just a bit because we all come from a Baptist background. I say I'm a Heinz 57 Christian because I have had different... Your journey has meandered. It has. <laughs> um, and so, I, first of all, I want to let this lady know that I am. I believe that I'm called to be a full gospel preacher. I don't make any apology for that. But um, I have walked out of services because the presence of the Holy Spirit left, when, not when the person spoke in tongues, but when the interpretation was given. Because what happens sometimes is, is one, you, you know, you have to have the interpreter if tongues are going to be used in church. And if you have someone that says they're an interpreter, but they're not rightly interpreting the Word of God, then it can cause somewhere great beside, harm. Somewhere besides God. That's right. Yeah. And so I have, I've gotten up in the middle of a service and walked out because I saw, the, I saw what was being done and saw what the interpreter was doing. And it was like, the Holy Spirit's left. It's time for me to go. Now, mm. at the same time, wow. I've seen it done decently and in order. And uh, I'm thankful for one of the churches I went to. Uh, if someone felt like they had uh, a, a word you know, to give, they would go and get the pastor's permission. And if the pastor said, yes, go ahead, they would. Or if the pastor said, wait, this isn't the time, they would wait. And I, I think that we're called to do things decently and in order. And if we don't do that, then I think we begin Confusion. to vary. Confusion. Oh, uh, there's the music. I, I hear music. I do, too. <laughs> I do. That, that may be the music of deliverance. <laughs> so, folks, this is Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert will comment on what we're discussing here as soon as we come back on American Family Radio. Now, back to the Bible study. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. Amen. Welcome back. I'm Jim Stanley along with Dr. Alex McFarland and Brother Bert Harper. And we are speaking about speaking in tongues. And guys, one of the things we've talked about is the unknown language that we've kind of covered, and then the known language that we may not know, that we either hear someone speaking in a foreign language, and we hear it in our own tongue, or we are supernaturally gifted to speak to someone in their language from a language we previously didn't know and it may be for that one person in that one place in that one time alex you had an experience similar to that well and uh it was amazing it was in the summer of 2008 we went with um several hundred youth to lima peru and focus on the family put this mission trip on and i was a team leader and it was interesting because we were there for a few days with orientation and a young, I'll never forget this precious brother in Christ. His name was Apollinario, and he lived up in the uh, mountains, actually hundreds of miles away near a place called Machu Picchu, a very famous place. But we were in Lima, Peru. Now, he could not speak English or Spanish. He spoke a language called Chechuan or Quechuan. 
And there, there was a pastor in the group named Juan Carlos, a Peruvian man, and he had a grandmother that spoke Chechuan, and that's the only way. And Apollinario had come into our group. He heard there were missionaries, and he had come all this hundreds of miles, and for, for 10 days he would go with us, and he would smile, and he would pat his hands together and bow his head, and that meant, I'm praying for you. Mm-hmm. And um, we could never talk, but we fellowshiped and laughed and smiled, and he would speak Chechuan. Nobody knew what he was saying, and whenever Juan Carlos was around, I'd say, what did he say? And anyway, it was near the end. We're in this village in a place called Miraflores, which is a very slummy village, and we had a, a singing team that learned songs in Spanish. Anyway, I shared the gospel with an interpreter. And uh, the singing team comes out after my little message. They come out to do about a 15-minute praise and worship um, time. Well, I noticed there was four boys in soccer jerseys, and they were a, a little bit away at a, at a stand. And I could tell they were drinking liquor, and they were passing around a two-liter soft drink. And they would take a big slug of liquor, and then they would chase it with soda pop. So I pushed through this crowd. And there are four Peruvian soccer players, and they're probably 20. And um, I can't speak Spanish, but I look, I'll never forget, I said, um, you're drinking distilled spirits. God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Mm. They look at me, and uh, I said, uh, I'm sorry I can't speak Spanish, but uh, we're here to talk about Jesus. I wish I could speak Spanish because I want to tell you about Jesus. There's a tap on my shoulder, Jim. I look around, and it's my little short uh, Peruvian pastor from the the woods, Apollinario, he, he whispers in my ear, he says, I'll translate for you. And I said, okay, thanks. Romans 3.23, we've all sinned. And I was about two minutes into sharing the gospel, and I realized Apollinario doesn't speak English or Spanish. Hmm. He's translating my English into Spanish. We begin to share the gospel, and in my soul, I it was like God said, those four guys are going to get saved. Amen. I said, pray the sinner's prayer. And we, we spent about 15 minutes sharing the gospel. All four of those guys bowed their head and prayed the sinner's prayer. And, mm-hmm. and sitting on the ground is like this half gallon of vodka. I said, if you're serious, if you just accepted Jesus, and Apollinaria trans- translates, I want you to pour out that bottle of vodka. And they look at each other, and one of them gets it and pours it out on the ground. Amen. I mean, it was a God moment. Well, the bus finally comes to get us, and Apollinario, he says, I saw you struggling trying to talk with these guys. He said, Holy Spirit told me, go translate for Alex. Now, we had an hour ride back to Lima, Peru, where we were staying. Juan Carlos was there, and I'm like, it's a miracle. He translated, and Apollinario... On the, I'll put it this way, and it was amazing. When we got on the bus in Miraflores, he was still speaking English and Spanish. Mm. By the time we got back to Lima, Peru, it had left him. Amen. Now, I don't quite have an American seminary box to fit this in, <laughs> but all I know is um, we shared the gospel, and four soccer players, they— Found enough of Jesus, they poured out a bottle of vodka on the ground. That's incredible. And, you know, God still does that. There's no, you know. I I think think that was a tongue. Yeah. I don't, and I don't disagree with that. Bert, I want to get your comments, but just real quick, it's, it's one of those things that, 
you mentioned, and I like how you said that, an American Christian box, because we in America, we there is so much that we see and do every day that takes our mind off of God. If God really came and brought another great awakening to our country... Amen. So, Granted, um, Jesus. Yeah, man, I'm that, we're praying for that. But if, if that really took hold in America, like it did in times past, I think we would see a changed country. Amen. <clears throat> I love that story. First time I heard Alex tell it, I said, that is the book of Acts in action. It is. When you read the tongues, the words in, in at the book of Acts, it is languages. It's languages spoken from one group of people to another group of people so they can understand. Mm -hmm. In the book of 1 Corinthians, it is not necessarily, quote, a language. It's not babbling. Don't don't get me wrong. And so I, I put it this way. I'm a great commission guy. I really believe that the tongues is not for the edification of the individual. Mm-hmm. Many, and I don't want to put anybody in the same cat, everybody in the same category, Jim. Much of the tongues that I have observed when I've been in places where tongues were speaking, they seem to be for the edification of the individual mm-hmm. that was doing it. And I, that is not biblical. I, I just say this it should not be a point of contention. For this right. lady who wrote, I would just go and find another church. I don't yeah. mean to. Oh, no, I'm absolutely. not trying to be. I'm, don't go in there and try to correct them. Don't go in there and say, right. you know, cause confusion. But I I, I would say go find a, another church. I'd put it this way. I'd rather be in a church where this was practiced and the gospel was preached than in a church where they did not do this and the gospel was Amen. not preached. Man. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's the bottom line, and guys. Let, let me throw in my two cents here. And uh, I'm Jim, thank you for allowing us to talk about this. Because if you read 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, there's diversities of gifts, but unity within the body. Amen. And um, when I was a youth pastor, um, I can't, we had a youth thing. This is 30 years ago, 1989, the first time I was youth pastor. Um, and I got a little bit of a slap on the wrist for um, taking my group to a great event that was at a Pentecostal church. <laughs> and I said, yeah, but a lot of my kids went forward. And it, I mean, it, right. let me say this. We're living in the time of atheism, Islam. Um, and I want to say to everybody, look, we've all got our theological distinctives. But if you're a Jesus person, hey, we're family. Amen. And, and I just want to say, Pentecostal, non-Pentecostal, that's the least of my worries right now. I'm I'm praying for the restoration of morals and the salvation of the Muslim world. And let me just say, um, unity in the body. Some speak in tongues. Some have a private prayer language. Others don't. Mm-hmm. I just believe God's going to straighten out all of our theology when we get to heaven. Amen. And if you're if you're a follower of Jesus, we're family. Yeah. I just want to quote Chuck Chuck Colson. Yeah. He said, "No denomination and no individual, no church has it all right." And I know why. And so man, I was listening. He said, "We're human." <laughs> and, and and 
I can I'm, hear him I'm saying anxious, that. I'm anxious to get to heaven to see where I'm going to be corrected, because I will be. Well, here's what Paul says in First uh, Corinthians 14, 5. It says, I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prosif- pro- prophesy mercy, for prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you are saying so that the whole st- church will be strengthened. Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking an unknown language, how would that help you? But if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, that will be helpful. Even lifeless instruments like the flute or harp must play the notes clearly or no one will recognize the melody. And I think we've established that our melody, melody is the presence of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. And that's what needs to be practiced in the church. Preach it, Jim. All right. Okay. Well, let's see if we can get one more question in before the next round of music comes and signals the end of the show. All right. So this one is about salvation. And it says, uh, we know that salvation comes to us when we accept Jesus Christ. Uh, And we're saved by faith, but not by works. But this is where I have trouble. I believe that Jesus clearly teaches us to repent and turn to him. Wouldn't this be an act of work? Okay. We had something similar to this, and here's my response. Repentance is not a work. It, uh, repentance is not work. It's mm-hmm. a response. Mm-hmm. And uh, repentance is responding to the nature of God, which is holiness, to Bert Harper's nature, which is evil, and me turning from to Mm-hmm. That is a response to God, not works for salvation. I mean, that is as simple as I can make it, and I don't mean – well, I do. I'm, I'm that way. You know, right. I'm simple and try to put it in distinct terms. But that's not works. That is a response to God because God talks about in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we're created to good works. Amen. Uh, we're, not, we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace through faith but created two good works. So repentance, not no, it's not work. Yeah, um, I, I'm with you. It, it's not a meritorious work. It's a response. And, you know, in Ephesians 2, 9, when it says, you know, 2, 8, we're, for by grace you save through faith, verse 9, not of works. And the, the word work there really is is the same word for employment or task. So it's not that... Um, where we think we're earning something. Employment, if you work a job, you've earned a paycheck. Uh, in repenting, which is turning, the word metanoia, which turn, hey, turn the car around. We're going the wrong direction. We, we're going to turn to Christ. That That's not a meritorious work that earns us salvation. It's a response to God's overtures. That's well said. Now I'm going to go to the second part. Okie doke. <laughs> All right, so when Jesus tells us to take up our cross daily and follow him, is that a work? Uh, let me say something, and I, I want you to clarify if I'm stating this wrong. Salvation is a free gift. Sanctification does involve work. Um, let me say this. Salvation is the same for everybody. Come to Jesus, be born again. But sanctification <clears throat> is different for everybody. And, and when, um, you know, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, I die daily, and, and we are to take up our cross and follow Christ, uh, I do think very often that is a work. 
Um, when Paul says, mortify the flesh, let not sin reign in your mortal body, um, it's, it's a work that can only be carried out with the help and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But um, sanctification, choosing to serve Christ, working to grow in Christ, yeah. yeah. But work it's not a work. But it's not a work of our It's not a work to salvation. Because it's of. a work. But yeah, because uh, of. because of. we are his workmanship yeah. created to what unto good works. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible makes it plain. If there's not been a change in a person's life after they have come to Christ, the Bible teaches there's a change. Now, how big that change is, is is similar to what you've come from as a 12 year old boy. When I was saved, Jim, uh, raised in the home that I was raised with, with John Maurice Harper and Bertha May Harper, (laughs) listen, there was a tight rope that I lived. So far as the world could see, there was not a huge change. But in the inner man, even as a 12-year-old boy, that change was beyond measure Mm -hmm. that he would do it. And after that, those works followed. Works come from that salvation experience. You plant a garden. Guess what you have to do? The garden is already planted, but you have to work it out. You have to toil the soil. You have to pull the weeds. You have to go out there and make sure the bugs are away from those tomato plants. That is work. But guess what? It is works that produce good works. And you're going to... You're going to get the labor and the fruit from it. That happens with taking up your cross daily and following him. And and I don't disagree with that. I think it's one of those things that, um, you know, I think it's in James when we talk about that um, we're not saved by works lest anyone should boast. You know, and then, of course, we do believe that we are called to good works, as you mentioned, that go, and it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier about prophecy. It's something that edifies the body of Christ. If you go and sweep the church floor or you preach the Sunday sermon, everybody in that body has to have something to do. And sometimes the one who sweeps the floor has a better message than the pastor in the pulpit. Preach it, brother. Because mm-hmm. at some point, we all got to get those cobwebs out of the house. You know what I'm Amen. saying? You better believe it. Amen. So. I, I love that. Listen, in God's work, there's no small task. Mm. There, really, there really are none. I'm telling you, some of the people I appreciate the most in the world are those nursery workers. Amen. They, you know, they have a ministry of it's a whole yes, different ministry it, of cobwebs. Yeah, it is, but it is valuable. Aren't you glad for First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight that our labor in the Lord, whatever that is, but our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen. It's good stuff. Well, folks, this has been exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Jim Stanley, along with Dr. Alex McFarland and Brother Bert Harper. And we're glad that you participated as well. If you didn't get your question answered today, send it to us to word at AFR.net. Have a great weekend. Make much of Jesus to someone today.